Hello, and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and you can follow us on Twitter, at PolicyCast, or find us on your channel of choice by visiting hkspolicycast.org. We're less than two weeks away from the midterm elections here in the United States, and all indications say that it'll be a tight race. According to the polls, the Democrats are very much at risk of losing control of the Senate in what would be a devastating blow to President Obama's plans for his final two years in office. Today we're joined by Professor Steve Jarding, a veteran Democratic operative who's now a lecturer in public policy here at the Kennedy School. Steve, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So this feels like a pretty low enthusiasm race so far. Is that just a regression to the mean after some you know, really high-strung uh, campaigns the last few years? Yeah, no, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, a lot of times the off year, you know, is, is uh, uh, it's a little bit understated when you have a presidential contender, particularly in this climate where there's so much more money spent now in presidential races. So it's in obviously it's a presidential uh, the presidency change the complete direction of the country when you have the the executive branch. So no, I think there's a natural tendency that there's a there's a downside, but I think it's exacerbated this year for a variety of reasons, and uh, not the least of which is money. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of money in politics, a lot of money. Uh, they're looking at four to five billion dollars being spent in this off-year election alone, which is which is uh, uh, by far a record. And I think it turns people off. Negative campaigns are uh, playing more of a role. Uh, outside money uh, seems to have less accountability mm-hmm. uh, when these outside groups spend it. A candidate has to say, "I approve this ad." An outside group, a super PAC, doesn't. Right. And as a consequence, very often they feel that they can say and do anything. And and as a consequence, they do say and do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be very negative. Oftentimes, it tends to be very uh, divisive, and I think that turns a lot of folks off. So, does does the low enthusiasm exacerbate that problem? It seems like if uh, you know you have an, a high enthusiasm race, you would have a lot more low yeah. uh, low dollar donors. Yeah. Right? Well, I think it's it's almost a vicious circle, and one yeah. kind of feeds off the other. That um, in theory that would work. That that if you had a high profile race and, and small donor uh, folks that get involved, but anybody can be turned off and you turn on TV in some of these states where there's a quote unquote competitive race and you're like, my God, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's one negative ad after another. And mm-hmm. you got to be pretty hardened to be able to cut through that and say, okay, I'm still going to keep focused, uh, even though that's there. So I, I think it's, it's one of those things where, um, we really do have to take a look at ourselves as a country and uh, and say what kind of electoral system do we want? Do we, do we, uh, deserve for our people? We, contend and not without legitimacy that we're the greatest representative democracy the world has ever known and i think that's true mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's automatic uh, right. and we've gone in some very ugly directions i think for representative democracy uh, in recent years uh, and it has turned a lot of people off i mean you think of it we 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 now register only uh, about one out of two people that are eligible mm-hmm. register to vote um, so half of the population's off the off the table already and increasingly you start to see more and more elections except maybe a presidential election or maybe a high-profile state election where turnout has fallen below 50%. So less than one out of four or right at one out of four uh, eligible voters are voting. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a very good track record. So right. a lot of people are tuned out and turned off already. The fact that the independent party is the strongest, uh, largest political party in the United States today, it's, and it's not even a party. I mean, it, let's be honest. There's no. You mean in party affiliation? In party affiliation, voter registration. It's not a, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a. It's not an official party. They don't right. have independent uh, offices and caucuses, and it's just a. It's it's basically I don't want to be a Democrat or Republican, so I'll become an independent party. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that ought to tell us something. I mean, there's a lot of warning signs out there that we're not getting this right, mm-hmm. and, and we better figure it out pretty soon, because. Uh, uh, 
it, it, it's happening. I mean, we mentioned earlier, almost 70% of every ad that an American uh, citizen or voter is watching in the United States today um, in a U.S. Senate race, almost 70% comes from a group not from that state, comes from a small group of individuals who are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to influence a race for very for the most part, almost exclusively for very selfish purposes. Right. Is it uh, party specific or are we seeing a lack of interest nationwide? Yeah, no, I think it, it, it's pretty universal, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it just it, It's one of those things where I think a lot of people, again, they may look at their own lives and say, you know, I hear all these politicians saying they're going to do something, but I'm working harder than ever. I, I, in some cases, I'm working multiple jobs that I never used to have to. I at one point, maybe had a savings account for my kid's college fund. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I barely can pay the bills. I um, and then they just tune out. And and it's it is exactly the opposite of what we need to happen. I mean, we need people to tune in uh, because there is only one thing in the history of humanity that trumps money and and politics, and that is participation. That's votes. Right. Um, and right now, we're at a pretty all-time low. So you've managed a number of races in states that are normally considered red. Um, a lot of the places where Democrats are having particular trouble in are, you know, Louisiana, Alaska, Kentucky. Is there something Democrats are doing wrong, or is that just uh, an anomaly that we even have uh, Democrats in those states at all? No, I don't think it's an anomaly. I would argue, I wrote a book about it a couple of years ago that <clears throat> argued basically Democrats don't concede anything. Why are you doing that? I mean, you're conceding southern states, rural states. Uh, I tend to try to do campaigns in really tough areas, places we're Mm -hmm. supposed to lose, but places that I think we can win. And part of it is uh, I'm not going to concede an argument. I mean, you you have give you an example. The, The Republican Party says we're the party of family values. I say, I'll debate that with any Republican uh, uh, that wants to sit in a dais. Let's talk about that. Is it a family value to let people go hungry? I don't think it is. Is it a family value that people don't have health care, that kids can't get immunizations, that people are homeless, that, that people are working three jobs just to try to pay the bills? Is it is it a family value that women make less than men? I don't think it is. Not in my family. Um, and, and I think in most families that's not the case. So let's have the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're saying, by the way, that family values are all about uh, a woman's right to choose or about gay rights, I'll have that debate with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but let's have the debate. That's right. the point. And too many Democrats, I think, concede that issue, the uh, family values. They concede. Uh, uh, my editor, when I was writing the book, said, do you think that Democrats really do spend and tax more than Republicans? That's the kind of the mantra that yeah. Republicans say, well, Democrats are taxers and spenders. And I said, I'm not sure. I really don't. I've heard it forever. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's probably some truth to it. He said, well, why don't you look? And I did. And you know what I found? That from 1950 up to the George W. Bush administration, and we know he blew the doors off spending, but up to that administration, mm-hmm. the average annual deficit run up by a Republican was uh, $232 billion. That was the mm-hmm. average. The average Democrat, $30 billion. It was like, wow, the Republicans actually are spending a lot more in debt than Democrats. Mm-hmm. I appreciate there are other variables that impact that. But on its face, Democrats were letting Republicans beat them up on that argument. Same in taxes. Did do Democrats tax more? When the book came out, this is in, uh, uh, six, seven years ago, uh, at the time, uh, it was virtually uh, identical, almost mm-hmm. weirdly to almost the dollar. 
that yeah. this is how much was raised under Republican presidents, under Democrats, uh, and what the tax rate was. And, and people forget the tax rate was 90%, the income tax rate under Dwight Eisenhower, for instance. Mm -hmm. So, um, But the point is, again, I think Democrats concede some of this, military, family values, uh, right. tax and spend. And is, they, is that happening in the races right oh, now? sure, I think yeah. it's happening. I mean, look at the races where where you have Democrats running and people say, well, did, you vote, did you vote for Barack Obama? Oh, well, uh, you know, Barack Obama's not in the ballot. Uh, well, no, but did you vote for him? Well, no, but you see, they, they want this race to be about Obama, but it's not. It's about something else. Uh -huh. Answer the question, right? <laughs> right? Say, yes, I voted for him. You know why? Because Mitt Romney was a fraud. Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney literally took every side of every issue that I can think of. <laughs> Gay rights, environment, uh, regulation, um, you name it. It was out there. Minimum wage. He was on both sides of every one of those issues. Of course, they're not running against Mitt Romney anymore. Well, that's right, except that they're the ones who put the question on the table. Right. Um, you asked uh, who I voted for, so I'm justifying it. Mm -hmm. I voted for Obama. Yeah. I wasn't going to vote for him. And by the way, it's the same Mitt Romney that said one out of two Americans are freeloaders. Mm -hmm. Compared to that guy, I can justify not voting for Mitt Romney. That was my choice. I voted for Obama. Did I agree with everything that Obama has said or done? No. Um, but don't try to, oh, I'm going to trap you. Did you really vote right. for Barack Obama? I'm going to trap you for saying you voted for Mitt Romney, for God's sakes. But there's also a number of issues that voters have not warmed up to, especially in these areas. Do these candidates even stand a chance if they're arguing for things which are clearly disliked by the population? Well, you know, we... I teach a couple courses here on messaging and campaigns, and, and uh, no, you always want to play on your turf. If there's yeah. an issue out there that's not a good one, I, I don't want to, I don't want that to be the debate in this campaign. I, um, and yet there are some of this that, that I, I think Democrats too easily let someone else define the issue. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, the, the so-called Obamacare, is an easy one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and, and my argument would be this. Okay, if you don't want Obamacare, what do you want? Put it on the table. I'll debate it. Maybe I'm not saying Obamacare is perfect, but I do know this. Um, I know that the current system isn't working, mm -hmm. and and for me, it's personal. Um, I had a brother and a sister that both died. Uh, one because an insurance company wouldn't pay for a medical device that would have saved uh, my brother's life. They paid for an inferior one. Um, it happened to be a pacemaker, pacemaker that kept the heart going unless the heart stopped. There are pacemakers that would restart the heart. They would his uh, job where he worked had insurance that wouldn't cover that. Lo and behold, the heart uh, quit, and he died. He should be alive today. That system failed him. So if you got a better system that'll save his life, um, mm -hmm. talk to me. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, the current one doesn't work. I, I don't know that Obamacare is perfect in any stretch of the imagination. I just know the current one doesn't work. Why don't Democrats talk that way? Why don't they say, come on, America, we've got 129 million Americans with pre-existing condition mm -hmm. that insurance companies can throw off the rolls. Prior to Obamacare, they could charge women more for a procedure than they, they charge a man. Who, who, who in their right mind thinks that's right, for God's sakes? The point is Democrats very often let someone else define the turf. They, mm -hmm. they let someone say, this is the issue of the of campaign, and by the way, we're going to define that issue. I say to Democrats, if you don't want to talk about Obamacare, don't talk about it. But, it. but at least don't concede that everything they say about it is accurate, because guess what, folks? It's not. Right. I feel like uh, maybe it's because I'm in Boston, but I have been hearing that argument. Um, and uh, I wonder if uh, it's that it's nuanced. I've always heard the, uh, the phrase, you know, if you're explaining, you're losing. Is, I mean, can you actually overcome that? And no, well, it, did, I mean, did these candidates have a chance? Sure, I think they have a chance, but yeah. I think you've got to be smart about it. A lot of places, the, the chance isn't so much that they're messaging wrong or, or, or not talking about the right things. It, sometimes mm -hmm. it's the, the, the voter registration in the state just works against them. Right. Uh, uh, South Dakota is a, a great example where I, I have a home in South Dakota, and, and uh, it's a very 
conservative state. Well, the Republicans outnumber Democrats there dramatically. There's a Senate seat right now that is in play. Uh, Rick Weiland looks like he he actually might, be, as a Democrat, be able to win the seat. But he's running uphill. Right. Right? There's way more Republicans in that state. So some of it is just that. I think you could say the same in Arkansas and, and uh, Louisiana today and Alaska today. So it's some, sometimes it's not just the issue. It's logistics uh, that you're fighting to begin with. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I still think in almost any race uh, in America, it's not that I have to explain. Sometimes I have to I have to put some energy in uh, to to let the other folks know I'm not going to let you define me. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me uh, what Obamacare means. I'll tell you what Obamacare means. I'll right. tell you what it means to me personally. And if you got something better, put it on the table. Uh, if you don't, uh, then uh, you don't have a lot of credibility with mm-hmm. me because it's personal. I don't. I'm, I don't fear personalizing those issues. I think more people should do that. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't accept what government shoves down our throats, um, and that's kind of where I think, frankly, this younger generation that has social media tools and platforms that they use that a lot of people in the older generations don't. The younger younger generations, I think, get it a lot more. I mean, look at the whole gay rights issue. Mm-hmm. You can make yeah. a very strong case that the reason Barack Obama and some of these others came over uh, was that the American public, starting with young people, said, we don't care. Right. We don't care. But that's whatever they that's their right. And all of a sudden, America kind of grudgingly uh, came to that side. And so, uh, no, I, I hold out great hope with that. I, mm-hmm. I, I really do. But but we got a, a lot of work to do. I mean, there's a you know, there's too many people that aren't paying attention, too many people that are letting um, money uh, run politics and and literally kind of take their government away from them. And, right. and uh, that's not just a slogan to me. I, that's happening out there. So we're now, you know, less than two weeks away from the actual election. 538 has their uh, predictor for the Senate saying uh, Republicans have 65 percent chance of taking over that House. Do you think that's do you think that's accurate? Yeah, and it might uh, be low. If, if you were, uh, you know, advising one of these campaigns, you know, what would you be doing right now to try and turn things around? Well, uh, I do advise campaigns, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, are you advising one of the? Uh, I am. Uh, 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 Which one? <laughs> uh, uh, the South Dakota one, where I oh, live, okay. uh, where I have a home. Uh-huh. Um, it's a friend of mine. I went to college with him. Uh, but no, my advice is, and by the way, it, it wouldn't just be to him. Mm-hmm. It would be you've got to stand up and stand for something. Don't be afraid to say when your party's wrong, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a, I've become a big critic of, of of political party politics in the United States. I don't like the two party system in the sense that it has become so polarized. Um, we, we need other voices. And with money dictating how um, much time these, these folks are spending on policy and different uh, issues, it's a big deal. Right. Uh, they're not necessarily learning the issues. They're spending all their time raising money. All these politicians are. And you say, man, we better get our arms around that because increasingly lobbyists are the ones that are writing legislation. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Matt, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a simple statistic that in in uh, 2001, there were 16,000 registered lobbyists in Washington, D.C. They were spending about $25 million U.S. dollars a month. Okay, that's 2001. Fast forward to 2010. Uh, 46,000 registered lobbyists, not 16, spending $500 million a month, not 25. Mm -hmm. Both parties uh, have a pox on their houses. They are both 
taking too much special interest money and they're influenced by that money. And you wonder why Americans are turned off because the special interests are getting all the, the fruits and look at the income inequality, look at the outcome, look at how education uh, uh, expenditures have gone down, look at how we're investing in, in, in our people has gone down, look at wages that have been flat for 30 years. The middle class, by the way, in America is not the largest middle class in the world anymore. It was surpassed this year by Canada mm -hmm. for the first time since they've been uh, keeping uh, statistics. For the first time since 1897, America is not the largest economy anymore in the world. China is. Um, we got a lot of trend lines that are going in the wrong direction. A lot of them center around what we're doing with our with our kids. We're not investing in them. First generation in American history is this generation that'll be less educated than our parents. First mm -hmm. generation less educated. If uh, as an American who takes pride in America, I say. That's a trend we got to reverse. Um, right. When when one out of four uh, uh, kids that graduate from uh, high school, only one out of four get a college degree. Great nations don't have one four their one four or three fourths rather of their kids with just a high school education. Right. Um, uh, we've got to reverse that, but that's not happening, and seems to coincide with all this money that was brought into politics. Right. So, what do you expect to happen in the at least in the near term? <laughs> well, not a lot. I mean, I uh, uh, my sense is we're going to have to come to a head somewhere. I mm -hmm. mean, it looks like I, th I think the the five thirty eighth right. I think the odds are probably at least sixty five percent that the Republicans take the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that probably means Obama is effectively a lame duck president. That you could argue he's been lame duck since twenty ten when the Republicans took the House uh, and has struggled to get legislation passed. Uh, but now they would have the House and the Senate. Uh, as we know, the last. Two years of a, of a presidency uh, very often is dictated anyway by people already looking toward the next right. in this case the 2016 election so you're diminished in that capacity as mm -hmm. well um, do I expect anything of any substance to happen before then probably not mm -hmm. uh, we will see if the Democrats either hold power and maybe they pick up some seats if people are dissatisfied with with this kind of Congress it's always at loggerheads um, or do Republicans take the White House and have both branches and fundamentally change the direction of the country, which they've suggested they want to do? Uh, they want to repeal Obamacare. They want to pass the Ryan budget uh, that turns Medicare into a, a voucher program. Um, okay, good luck with that. They want to turn the Medicaid program into a block grant program for the states, cut a trillion dollars, and send the money to governors. Only two states last year, Matt, ran a surplus. Those governors aren't going to spend money on the poor and disabled and seniors. They're going to put that money in their general fund to balance their budgets. Mm -hmm. So you've effectively, if the Ryan budget was passed, would eliminate that safety net for literally millions of Americans. Okay, again, if that's what America wants, do it. But I'm just saying that's that's the agenda that's on the table. Mm -hmm. And so we've got some... It seems, to, it seems that that's what they want right now. Well, they, they certainly are... <laughs> in, 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 Mitt Romney said last time his first act would be repeal, uh, repeal right, Obamacare, yeah. and he embraced uh, the Ryan budget. Mm -hmm. um, my guess is they're certainly going to vote on it, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and then they talk about uh, shifting and changing Social Security dramatically. Yeah. I mean, we will have a very different country. Uh, and again, Americans have that right. Uh, you vote if that's what you want, vote for it. Uh, but don't think that it's it's going to be business as usual. These guys, I think, are feeling their oats. They're seeing what the, what money has done. This money is landing in their pockets, and they're going to pay some folks back. And I don't like the direction, and I think, you know, like I say, we're going to have to decide as a country, is, is that where we want to go? An optimistic take to uh, end the interview. Uh, Professor Steve Jarding, thanks so much for being on PolicyCast today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, man. You've been listening to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. Produced by Matt Cadwallader and Molly Lanzarota. Follow us on Twitter at PolicyCast.